Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? I hope those of you who are, have been affected by uh, Hurricane Henri have been <laughs> um, able to be less lame than I just was two seconds ago and staying safe and dry and all of those good things. Um, what do we have to talk about? Okay, first things first. I, Troy McKeady blessed me by hitting me up and asking me to come on his podcast. So we had just like a pop culture kiki. It was just two kings sitting around and chit-chatting about the things that we know best. Uh, It was a lot of fun. So yeah, you can check me out on the latest episode of Dunzo. We talk Sex and the City. We talk Erica Jane. We talk uh, Benefer and why we should just enjoy them for what they are, but only for the next few weeks or so. Um, so check that out. It was a lot of fun. Every conversation I have with Troy is just like an absolute dream. So, you know, it's, it's a pleasure for me and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, so many of you guys reached out and were like so supportive and I really, really appreciate that. You guys are just the loveliest. I, I couldn't say anything better. Um, let's get into the show though. Obviously, top of the show, the main priority is going to be a quick one. Our girl segment of the week goes to every, and this is no shade but shade, to every Bravo account that had me thinking even for like three minutes and 45 seconds that Mary Cosby's husband, grandpa, step grand, husband, grand, what, husband, husband, um, was related to... (laughs) 
the the Cosby that we of which we don't speak anymore. Um, the the one of the pudding pop variety, the one of the the Coogee sweater variety. Who put that on Google? Y'all had people, so many people in these streets confused. I saw that on my Instagram and was like, no, ma'am, um, um, cancel, exit, exit. Let me find something else that I can look at. And uh, then I came back to find out that it, in fact, was not true. So, yeah, it's a hearty and a healthy and a, this is not a call out. It's a call in. It's a call in post to the girls who tried to tell me that Bill Cosby and, and, and Mary Cosby's husband were related. <laughs> All right, trigger warning for Josh Duggar news. And I'm just going to provide a quick update because his attorneys are on some like bullshit mission to get him off and it's not working, hopefully. Um, so apparently there have been some more information that came out about the discovery of um, Josh's activities and what was found and who it was found by. So apparently... Josh's Duggar's, Josh Duggar's uh, attorney and defense team are trying to figure out, like, what exactly happened, and they're trying to get off on technicalities. So there was a screenshot. So these images of child sex abuse were found by the authorities on May, I believe, May 14th of 2019. So this, these um, images were actually found by three different police departments in the area in which Josh Duggar lived. It was found by Little Rock and Ozark. And I believe there was another, well, there definitely was another one and I'm blanking on which location it was. So apparently um, three police officers from three different Arkansas police departments had downloaded the child sexual abuse images from an IP address linked to Josh's used car dealership. But of those three departments, only the Little Rock Police Department contacted federal agents for a child pornography or child sex abuse investigation. So what's happening now is that Duggar's defense team is now trying to create suspicion and raising questions about when and how the police downloaded those uh, sexual abuse files and what they did after that. So there was a motion filed in July 26. And on that day, uh, Josh's attorneys noted that all three, like I said, all three um, d- departments downloaded the files on the same day, which was May, May 14th, 2019. Um, and not only did only Little Rock report those images, but they didn't do so and report it to Homeland Security, but they didn't do so until five months later. So they're trying to say that the timeline begs the question of what transpired during the five months between May 2019 and October 2019. In this day, it's in this day and age, it's exceedingly unlikely that no reports whatsoever were generated in these intervening months by any of the three law enforcement entities, which allegedly downloaded this file. So they're trying to claim that this could be like exculpatory evidence and it could possibly work out in Josh's favor. So there had been a back and forth as to whether or not they could go into like discovery on those, that timeline and what happened with the three police departments. And they judges did rule, you know, kind of in Josh's favor that they are going to do the digging and try and figure out what happened. Um, But it's not really that 
much of a win for Josh because they have been saying, the prosecution, the judges have been saying that this is pretty much an open and shut case. It's very straightforward. Um, They don't seem to be concerned about their standing um, with respect to this case, and they seem pretty confident that Josh is going to be going down. Um, Like I said, Josh's attorneys are throwing everything at the wall, They had several other requests that day that happened to be denied. Um, One in which they were asking for the screenshot to be provided in a quote-unquote native format. And the judge basically was like, bitch, I don't even know what you mean by that. So, no. Too vague to be understood. And I quote. Um, So, for those of you who guys don't remember, his, Josh's trial is was supposed to be in July, but is now set for November. And I'm sure they're going to be doing everything they can, you know, probably being like, oh, it's about to be the holidays. Oh, oh, poor baby can't be with his children. Oh, we just want things to be easy for a poor sweet boy. Um, You know, bullshit like that that happens to white men in this country all the time. So we'll see, but... Uh, they just need to be laying the hammer down that guy. I want him underneath the jail for the rest of my life and his non-concurrent sentences. Please and thank you. Okay, y'all, my apologies. Let's move on to something that's uh, a lot more palatable. Still bad, but in a very different way. Um, Did the Kardashians and Jenners decide we haven't had enough attention on us in a while and so all of us are going to wow the fuck out because... That's kind of what it seems, that's kind of what seems to be happening. Um, Kanye and Drake are beefing. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, They apparently, you know, they had had beef with the fact that they lived down the street from one another. There were rumors that Drake and Kim had hooked up at one point. Kanye, you know, went on one of his famous Twitter rants, what, two years ago, one year ago, three years ago, who's to say at this point where he subtweeted or directly called out Drake, um, basically like stay away from my girl. Um, and then things had been quiet for them for a while. Then apparently things were fine. Apparently they were friends or whatever that means in the industry until, um, the man who seems to live at Mercedes Benz stadium and certified lover boy decided to, release their albums around the same time. And Kanye is not happy about that. But here's my thing. Kanye, your album was supposed to come out about at least a month ago, and it hasn't. So the fact that the album is now going to be released at the same time as Drake, and let's be real here. Let's be entirely real here. (laughs) This is giving... Do you guys remember years ago... When 50 Cent and Kanye had a beef and 50 said that they their albums were coming out on the same week, on the same day, 50 said that if his album, if he sold more records, if Kanye sold more records than him, then he would retire from rap altogether. That's exactly what happened. I don't believe that 50 Cent has retired. <laughs> I really tried to, you know, anytime I hear 50 Cent, I'm like, no, uh, earmuffs. I don't care. I, everything he does is shit. And oh, he's like partially responsible for why we have this whole mess with the, the baby. Um, with that being said, this sounds like part two of Kanye's album release based beef. 
Um, I'm not really here for it. And like I said, if we're talking about part two now, I think Drake is now in Kanye's position and Kanye is the 50 cent where he should probably be concerned about the fact that Drake is absolutely going to outsell him if they come out, if they drop albums at the same day. Like, I feel very confident in saying that. I think, um, you know, (laughs) people don't, who am I telling you guys? You guys know that people don't fuck with Kanye. Um, People definitely don't fuck with him on the same way that they do with Drake. So there you go. I feel like that is the whole reason why Kanye has his little um, skims all in a bunch. And so here's the thing. So all of this has been culminating. Um, Drake hopped on a song with a guy named Trippy Red. I've seen this man's face and I, you know, it haunts me in my sleep. I swear he stares at me at night. He's terrifying looking. Um, That's neither here nor there and has nothing to do with Drake. That's just my personal feelings. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, so in that video, on that feature Drake did on Trippy Red's song, he subtweeted uh, Kanye and was basically like, I just don't really give a fuck about you. Um, And that's about it. Um, He also said, like, you know, your presence and your album release dropping does not um, is not a threat to me. I'm not changing any shit for you. Um, Move on. You're 44 years old, basically. (laughs) So after this, uh, Kanye goes to Instagram and he drops a screenshot and the fuckboy universe goes wild because in this screenshot, it's clearly a screenshot of a group chat. Um, we see eight people in this group chat and then we also see, um, uh, the end of a message and then it says today, 1228 PM. You, Kanye, added Pusha to the conversation. So if you guys who don't don't know this, Pusha T is a rapper, <laughs> um, close collaborator of Kanye, and he is the one that, when all this shit happened last time, revealed to the world that Drake has a son. He is the reason why we know Drake has a kid, <laughs> because he's fucking messy. <laughs> Great rapper, but a true, true mess. Um, so... The fact that Kanye would add Pusha, who is Drake's biggest enemy to this group chat, and then post a, a screenshot of the Joker, like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and then he writes a message, I live for this. I've been fucked with by nerd-ass jock niggas like you all my whole life. You will never recover. I promise you. <laughs> and this is supposedly a... Uh, uh, a direct t- uh, text message from Kanye meant for Drake, but also sent within this group chat in which he added Drake's biggest mortal enemy. Um, I'm living for it. This is a kind of carrying on that I like. I, you know, I don't enjoy Kanye, but I do. I'm most likely to, um, you know, peek a side eye over to Kanye talking shit about people. For the most part, I I try to avoid him, but, you know, I do, you know, y'all know I'm obsessed with drama, so I'll take it any way I can get. Um, What else is going on with this family? Oh, Kylie's pregnant. Mazel. (laughs) Kylie's pregnant, and it really came in like a limp. I'm 
here wondering, okay, y'all know that that chick on TikTok was like, she came in with the seats and saying that, oh, I, she noticed that Kylie was dropping pictures where she was, had the same manicure, which is very similar behavior to what she did when she was pregnant with Stormy. So put two and two together, a TMZ article drops and saying, hey, she's, she and uh, Travis are expecting baby number two. Now, as a Kardashian scholar, I don't know if people have been saying this, so I'm just going to drop it as this is like original information slash conspiracy theory um, given to you by your girl at everyone's business but mine. Um, remember, here's the second layer. Here's a second layer. Remember when Kylie and her pregnancy news came out? Um... There was another part of that, which is that Chloe was pregnant and had not announced it yet. She and Kylie were a few months apart, obviously, Stormy. What? Maybe they're like a couple months apart, Stormy and True. Um, and yeah, I so I think part of Kylie's big announcement was hiding Chloe's announcement. So if Kylie is announcing baby number two... Um, I think we might need to look over at the oldest, Courtney. And, um, I have a couple questions for her. I feel like Kylie might be, um, uh, martyring herself or announcing something because somebody else doesn't want to announce their pregnancy, Courtney. I'm, I'm looking at you, girl. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you on this plane with... Travis, Travis, y'all, Travis hasn't flown in 13 years since he got in that crazy uh, accident with DJ AM, and she got him to do it, and that's wild, and I have feelings about that, and I know that everybody found that to be extremely heartwarming, and so, like, I'm just gonna shut my dumb ass up. I don't know why my initial reaction was just, no, I don't know why that is. I'm willing to admit that that could be a personal, um, you know, um, I think the word is called imperfection. I think that's what you flops refer to yourselves as. Um, I'm willing to, to say that that might be happening here. Um, I don't really know that feeling or emotion, but I, I feel like that might be happening. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping I'm wrong and I'm hoping that this is a true, love for the both of them um Courtney and Travis but mm, I don't know something about that plane thing I just like it just brought me the wrong way that's psycho right there's something wrong with that I think okay I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that on my own later um oh okay so here's like the most silly thing Chloe and Tristan have been t- tweeting and um <laughs> lol you guys lol so we all know the days turn into nights, you know, one month turns into a next and Tristan finds yet another new and inventive and exciting way to treat on, cheat on Chloe. And as of the past couple of months, they have been broken up. So there was an article that came out that was talking about them possibly getting back together um, and, you know, sharing their thoughts in the comment section. And somebody left a comment on the Mirror uh, website article about this that (laughs) said, 
at this point, Chloe Kardashian has no self-worth anyway. <laughs> so they tagged Chloe. So obviously she saw it and she responded in a tweet. You're telling me you made an assessment about my life because of a random blog. I think that says more about you than it does about me. In this case, I'm not sure if that's true, but okay. So anyway, Tristan then decides to hop his um, skinny little ass into the, the Twitter streets. And he tweeted, Gossipers are worse than thieves because they attempt to steal another person's dignity, honor, credibility, and reputation, which are difficult to restore. So remember this. When your feet slip, you can restore your balance. When your tongue slips... You cannot recover your words. Act accordingly. Now, why would he give everybody just two beggars of people can gross the fuck out of him? Why would he do that, stupid? Gossipers are worse than thieves because they attempt to steal another person's dignity, honor, credibility, and reputation, which are difficult to restore. Gosh, I can think of another thing that might um, uh, steal somebody's dignity and their honor. And the reputation. Um, maybe the whole reason why you got here is because people continuously roast Chloe's dumbass for staying with you, ruining her reputation, ruining her credibility, her dignity, her honor. And it has been impossible for her to restore Tristan. So remember this when your feet slip, you can restore your balance. When your tongue slips, you cannot recover your words. What happens when your dick slips, Tristan? What happened when your tongue slipped down uh, uh, Jordan Woods' mouth? What happened to that? What happened when your head slipped betwixt a woman's breast when you motorboated her um, in a club for everybody, including the security cams, to see? What happens when those things slip, Tristan? Tell us. I'd love to know. <laughs> Ooh, if there's something Tristan could do, it is cheat and make me laugh. I... Sir, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a real code. That is like when Chloe's dad, OJ, tweets about how like, oh, please, um, we just can't be, we, everybody has to be safe out here. Um, you don't want to catch anybody with a, with a knife in their hand. Anyway, bye. And then he has to hide all these tweets of people. Y'all know that OJ Simpson is on Twitter, right? He is wild. <laughs> He is so wild. If I killed two people and everybody knew it and I got off for it, I would like maybe not be acting. He's truly, you guys, it's psychotic. He is trying to act like America's dad now. He's like, you know, Bill Cosby was in jail. And so I'm going to be the one just here you are. You can see me live from the golf course. And um, surprisingly, OJ is like a lot more liberal than you would think he was. He's not anti-vax. He's very pro-vaccination um, and pro-mask wearing. <laughs> That's a surprise. Um, but <laughs> the fact that he like, he like does these wise words, like the end of Jerry Springer, when he used to be like, oh, you know, like take care of yourselves and each other. And, and, and then every time, every time he's got to hide these tweets, hide these hidden replies. Uh, please go to hidden replies. Hey, sir, why are you tweeting? You killed your wife. Um, excuse me. Why don't you get that knife out of your hand, OJ? OJ, do you remember when you killed your wife? It, it is exactly. Oh, he's so he's so sick. Oh, they're both so sick. <laughs> yeah, let me go. Let me go. Um, 
with that, you're going to hear the rest of the episode is going to be a recap of the two-hour season finale of Love After Lockup, Miracle of Miracles. I managed to get it down to just over an hour. I can't believe it. We did it, Joe. Anyway, you guys, um, if you want to check out my Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash podcast. I just finished a quattro hello part uh special on hillary baldwin and i'm not calling her hilaria um what else have i done i did uh i think i'm gonna be talking about jessica seinfeld or just like people that i have my eye on people that i have my eye on in the celebrity or celebrity wife space um it's gonna be a fun time we're gonna be gossiping i'm gonna be talking about the lularoe special that's coming up in september the amazon documentary um that's very exciting and yeah um also if you're able to give me a five-star review on apple Podcasts, bitch Thank you. Thank you in advance because it really, really goes a long way. And I really hate to do these pitches because every podcaster does them. But here's the thing. It actually really is very helpful. So occasionally just bear with me. You know, if you're able to give me a five star review, I would really, really appreciate it. Um, It helps me get more visibility to people. And listen, thank you. Thank you Um, for all of you who have (laughs) because Those of you who guys write these reviews are like, y'all show up and show out. You are so nice. So nice. I can't even believe it. Like, I don't deserve it. So thank you to those who have already written reviews. I read them and I like, they're so nice that they almost make me nervous. And I like, I have to like get them out of my brain, you know, because it's very difficult for me to take a compliment, but I I take them in as much as I can, as much as my psyche will allow me. So let me, before I get back into my like mental health talk, let me go. Okay. I'm going to be watching Potomac now. I'm so excited. Ugh, Sunday. Here we are. Um, y'all have a great week. I will be back on Wednesday with something. We'll figure it out. All right. Settling himself to all of us. Yeah, he told me that, too, when he was in prison, that people looked at him like a used car salesman. And I said to him, I said, don't you want to be a new car salesman? Them inmates were right. Con man. When his sister said what she said to me, that her brother was a dog and he's a liar and a user and he'll cheat on you as soon as he can, gosh, she, she told it like it was, and I should have ran then. My own fault of believing in a fairy tale. He loved him. I bought into all the lies. I bought into the stories. I bought into the fantasy. I bought into his infinite amount of stupid tattoos and what other little ways that he would try to show tokens of his affection or dedication or fake loyalty towards me. I was creating my own love story off of what I thought was real. That's that's the hardest part, knowing that I never had a relationship, I never had a marriage, and never gave it a chance. Yeah, without a doubt in my mind, he had no feelings for me. All right, y'all pray for me because I'm about to do this two-hour Love After Lockup recap in hopefully under 40 minutes. Something that I really have rarely been able to do ever because I always go over when I do my recaps, but prayers up, prayers up for me. All right, let's get a stretch here and let's roll through all this 
horrific footage. <laughs> and just a heads up, you guys, I'm probably, I'm like definitely not going to be recapping Life After Lockup. I don't even know if I'm going to be watching it. So sorry. Sorry in advance. Um, let's start off with Deontay and Nicole. Oh, Lord. Last we saw Nicole, she was in bed with Tia. They were about to get it in. They were grinding, canoodling, touching, feeling, squeezing, pleasing, teasing. See, I'm already going too long. Um, but we find out that uh, Nicole got too drunk. She had to shut things down, so they didn't even hook up. But she's still planning on meeting up with Deontay. So Tia, here, here's where we're at with, with little Nicole here. So... Deontay found her. She lied. He dropped her off. He His radar went off. He found her about to hang out with her ex-boyfriend, Zach. They sped off in his Charger or his mom's Honda Accord or whatever. They slept together. And the next day, Deontay's pissed, but he decides to meet up with Nicole. But Nicole's like, oh, I can meet up with you next day. The next day, I can't meet up with you tonight because I'm going to be meeting up with my ex-girlfriend. So they, you know, this was supposed to be night number two of Nicole's journey through past uh, bodies to find out whether or not she really, truly loves Deontay. Um, so I guess she didn't really fully complete her experiment with Tia, which is a real shame. So now she has had her ex-boo drop her off with the man that she keeps screwing over and taking advantage of financially so they can have a talk and she can keep, you know, uh, telling him lies that are convenient to whatever's going to aid her into getting her boobs done. So, um, Deontay's all upside down. He's, he's actually arrives an hour late, but he goes off on her. He's like, not only did you disrespect me, you disrespected my mother. I saw you hooking up with Zach. And then I saw you on social media last night with Tia. Did you think I wasn't going to see that considering we follow each other on social media? Like, how dumb do you think I am? Like, listen, Deontay is dumb, but you're doing the most egregious things that are like, if you had even put like 5% more effort into this, he would have been none the wiser, but like you're meeting him at below his intelligence level. And that's where he gets pissed off. And I, I gotta be with him on that. Like if you're going to screw me over, at least try, try to make it seem like you made the effort to, uh, you know, hide this from me. Don't make me look stupid. <laughs> Nicole is like hungover, so she's not really putting in a full effort, but she's like, but, but Deontay, I haven't seen Zach since the last time. What, 48 hours ago, girl? Come on. So then she says that she and Tia are just friends and that she had to figure things out with both of them. And in a confessional, she's like, I'm hungover. The words aren't coming out right. We s repeatedly see her tell Deontay to get the fuck out of her face for simply, um, I don't know, not wanting to be cheated on by his girlfriend. Are those words that aren't quite coming out right, Nicole? Um, Deontay says, if you love me like you say you do, then get those motherfuckers off your social media. You told me that an ex is an ex for a reason. I deleted all my exes off social media. You basically just put some respect on my name. Damn. So then we see, who do we see creeping up behind them? Tia. Tia shows up and actually she's kind of on Deontay's side, but... 
this is what I say. She's respecting Deontay by lying to him <laughs> and putting in the effort to make him believe it. Whereas Nicole is just like doing whatever the fuck she wants and playing right in his face. So Tia's like, hey, I understand why you would feel some type of way that Nicole's humiliating you. I personally don't want anything to do with Nicole. You can have her. Last night, we didn't even kiss. We didn't even hook up, even though we very clearly saw footage of them hardcore making out in her bed the night before. Tia's funny, y'all. In a confessional, she says, yeah, I lied, but hey, I just can't explain it. Like, I just don't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> she feels bad. She she knows how stupid she he is. And he and feels bad accordingly. Um, so Deontay says in a confessional, he's kind of trusting Tia, but he's also kind of looking over his shoulder because he doesn't know whose ex is going to be popping up next and who might be showing up to surprise him. So then Deontay asks Tia, did you know anything about me? And she's like, yeah, actually, I knew about you in prison, by the way. Uh, congrats to you because you're actually a lot better looking in person than you <laughs> were in those pictures and then Deontay says well you're a, quite the handsome fella yourself what why why did we have to do I don't know Tia's pronouns so like maybe he was in the right but it just felt very awkward there was no resolution we've always been presented Tia's always presented to us as a, a, a butch lesbian a more androgynous type of lesbian. But I don't think she, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know her pronouns either. That was like wildly out of pocket. I feel like Deontay probably doesn't know her pronouns because uh, they just met. So, <laughs> but based on what I've been told, I thought that was so disrespectful and weird. And especially because Tia came here giving you the respect of lying to you and saying, Hey, like trying to be honest she may have lied about them hooking up, but at least she was honest about the fact that Deontay, uh, that Nicole wasn't respecting him. She was right about that. So that was very weird. That was really weird. Um, so anyway, uh, what happens? Um, Tia asked Deontay what he wants out of this relationship with Nicole. And he's like, I was trying to marry this girl. I wanted to get, I have kids, all that traditional stuff. And Tia's like, uh, Nicole, I think you need to figure out who it is that you want. Not me, but do you want Deontay or do you want Zach or whoever? Because if you were my girlfriend, I wouldn't be letting any of this fly. So don't just do this to him because he lets you. Ooh, <laughs> that was about one of the most profound things we've ever heard on Love After Lockup. That was a word, Tia. You ain't say nothing but a word, girl. Good for you. Um... So then Nicole's like, okay, Tia, like, let's just talk one-on-one. -on -one. Tia's being pretty mature, even to Nicole without Deontay in her face. And is like, listen, you really need to make a decision. Like, I lied to him about me not being in the runner, in the run, running for this, but like, I am. But also like, for real, you need to make a decision because you know, I don't play games like this. So be with him or tell him that you don't want to be with him because I don't do this. Nicole says she doesn't want to hurt Deontay's feelings because he's a pretty good guy and Tia's like okay well it's kind of too late for that you're already hurting his feelings by how you're acting <laughs> so what are you gonna do Nicole honestly Nicole and Tia need to be together because 
she is going to get this girl in line. Like, clearly, Deontay only wants to just, like, smash her cakes to smithereens. He does not want her to be his wife or the mother of his children. Come on. Come on. Are you going to tell them, oh, the great story of how um, you stayed uh, faithful to your mom because you got a silicone mini sex fuck doll with and named it after her? Is that what you're going to tell the kids? You're going to play that in the footage of how we met, how we got together at your wedding day? Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, and not say that, like, you can't have a sex doll and, like, also get married. Of course not. I'm saying they can't do it because he looks at her as a sexual object, not a human being. But he, she's also playing the fuck out of him. Um so anyway, uh, Nicole goes back over to Deontay and says, you know, I love you a lot, but I also feel like I want to be in an open relationship because I don't want to lose you, your money that you give me. Um, so Deontay says he's been through too much to be second place to anybody. And she's like, well, no, like I'll be in a relationship with you, but like, I'll also be in a relationship with her, but like, you'll be number one. She'll be number two. <laughs> so, okay, girl. Um, so Deontay says he has no interest in sharing. So if she can't be exclusive and she, she doesn't need to be with him. And Tia can start taking care of her now. Thank you very much. Um, he's like, I thought you were different. I wanted to marry you and all. But this is going to be the last time you see me. Uh, okay, Deontay. Okay. In a conventional, Nicole says she doesn't think it's fair that Deontay is putting her on the spot. (laughs) If Nicole is nothing else, she is fucking bold. And I partially have to appreciate that she says this shit with her whole chest. She is a bird through and through. Ooh, my God. Um... So then she says, like, she wants to, um, she wants Tia when Deontay's not around. She wants Deontay when Tia's not around. She just wants to have it both ways. And in a confessional, Deontay's like, we're really done this time. And then Tia goes back outside and says, okay, are we doing this? And Nicole says, well, a decision has been made. He's gone, isn't he? I'm like, well, let's not really tell him the whole story. That's more of a, uh, he broke up with you. He made the decision. <laughs> it's not, not a win, but okay. Um, so then later Deontay meets up with his friend, Derek. This Derek guy that we have seen this whole time, he has, um, been the voice of reason, the guy who's been like, fuck that bitch, get her out of here, boo, boo, hiss, get, I I hate her. So they go out to the woods. It looks like they kind of went behind somebody's house. It looks very residential. Um, But Derek has a box and that box is a makeshift coffin. And inside that makeshift coffin is Nicole Jr. And so if anybody has any issues with the environmental report that we just got and how we're basically just hurtling closer and closer to death every millisecond this earth. Um, You can partially blame Deontay for setting a silicone sex doll on fire in the woods and then kicking it into the river. Nasty, 
nasty bitch. Deontay, however, is still keeping the door open. He's gone full Bruno Mars, Anderson Pac. I'm going to leave the door open for Nicole. And Derek's like, are you kidding me? Like, are you really kidding me? Meanwhile, as he's saying this, Nicole is posted up in Tia's hotel room while she's ripping that um, blue gigantic vape and she's eating chicken McNuggets all, you know, full of whatever those McNuggets are made of. Just happy, just full, happy and full. Not a care in the world. Not knowing that her um, sex toy likeness is burned and in a river. Mm. Poetic. Oh, okay, 13 minutes for one. Okay, maybe I can get in under an hour. Let's move on to Stan and Lisa. So, we see them. They're in the kitchen. They both got some cleaning products. Spray, spray, spray all over the kitchen. And they're also going through... Um, oh, no, sorry. What was I talking about? Girl, get out of here. Okay, they're in the kitchen. They're going through Stan's pension. All the money that he is... Uh, got saved and is coming annual payouts all the thing so lisa says you know stan comes from a life of privilege she comes from an entirely different world stan as they're talking in the kitchen is talking about how he's gonna go pick up the car that he bought lisa so he's like are you excited and she's like well i would be more excited if i could drive it myself but he and his friend dash are gonna go pick up this car dash that was wearing the um blue lives matter hat just a few episodes ago yuck um stan before he leaves has a checkbook in his hand and he's like oh you know just off the cuff i'm about to run out of um checks and lisa says oh are those the last checks that you have and he says oh no i got plenty more upstairs Okay, bye. Okay, great. Bye. Bye, scammer. I'll leave you alone with all the checks that I told you were. Um, So, Stan's friend Dash shows up. Stan reveals that he's going to be getting the car in both of their names. Last week, he was trying to get it fully in her name to, you know, uh, practice her independence and have her feel good, a.k.a. not be screwed over financially when um, she leaves him. But anyway, the car is going to be both in both of their names, and it has gone. The budget has um, gone up quite a bit from the three to 5000 to now 13000 Then he tells Dash how he paid off $3,200 to um, get her uh, parking tickets all paid off. And Dash is like, okay, Stan, do you think that Lisa is only getting along with you right now because of the money? And Stan's like, no, no, like these past few days... These past few days, reiterate that, have been great. And I just think that, like, everything's really good. And I don't believe that Lisa's using me for money. And, you know, I can't really explain our relationship, but it's magnetic. And I honestly, I don't know what he means by magnetic. I imagine it has to do something with the dungeon. And so, like, I don't even want to go there. Um, So Stan is talking in a confessional again grease lightning why did they not pass him a a powder even just just even some baby powder would have really done something to like i've never seen anybody that shiny especially on television it's it's not fantastic it's horrific um so as stan is talking in a confessional about how he doesn't believe he's being taken advantage of by lisa and he's only helping lisa to Get out of her old world. We see footage of Lisa and her um, graduation tassel extensions. 
rummaging around the house looking for those extra checks that Stan said he had. So then Lisa opens up a door and she looks at a wall that has a full-on old baseball card collection. Things that are clearly worth a lot of money. They're behind frames. He's got a signed Babe Ruth baseball, a bunch of baseball memorabilia, cards that are have 22 karat gold on them, all this shit. So Lisa does, you know, what any um, elderly millennial would do, which is she decides to look up the value of all these cards. She's making sure she's entering in the right stuff, all this stuff. In a confessional, she's like, oh, yeah, I absolutely know how much Stan is worth because he's told me several times it's about $2.1 million. And then we see, after she's, you know, worked up, uh, you know, expended all her energy seeing how much she can get off these cards, which, like, if Lisa was a real scammer, wouldn't she know? Wouldn't you know that you can't just be, like, pawning shit? They're going to keep records of that. They're going to get your address, your phone number. They're going to get your ID, your license. You're not going to get away with that girl. All of a sudden, some lady who knows nothing about baseball is coming up with a whole horde of cards out of nowhere. Girl, come on. Um, So she gets a call. She goes outside and she's sitting in the backyard and the person on the other lines, like, what's going on? And you know, why is this taking so long? But also I'm not tripping. I know I have to be patient. And then the lady says, I miss you and I love you. And Lisa says, I love you back. Okay. Um, in a confessional, Lisa says she hasn't really said much to Stan about her past. Um, other than the fact that she's made a few mistakes, very vague. The later Stan and Lisa are getting ready. We never see this car, by the way. Never see the car. They're getting ready because Lisa's brother Rick and Lisa's godmother are going to be coming over. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So her godmother was kind of like a mother to her growing up. And Rick... And Lisa are very close, and she tells a lovely story about how Rick taught her how to cook meth and sell it. So they're very close. We'll put it that way. Um, They all sit down to a meal of frozen boneless buffalo wings and pizza rolls, like a bunch of seniors in high school. Like, (laughs) again, Stan, you are a grown-ass man. You don't know how to cook anything. I mean, you don't have to, like, cook them a five-course meal, but... 
all this food. Stan, can your digestive system handle all of those preservatives? Golly. You know, never mind. You know, my, my nope, nope. Because my mind went to, oh, nope, nope. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm just going to stick that in my memory palace and scream about that into a pillow later. I'm not going to even take you on the journey that my mind just went through. Moving on. Please, Kara, please move on. Okay. Rick is not feeling Stan at all. He feels like Lisa has really bad taste in men historically. He feels like Stan is a piece of shit. He wants to know why he's been treating Lisa so badly, why her clothes got thrown out onto the front yard, why she got kicked out of the house. He's pissed. He's really, really pissed. Um, So Rick and Stan go and have a man-to-man talk while Lisa and her godmother are having some cigarettes outside and... um, Rick says he and Lisa are practically twins, and if he goes through something, she goes through something, and vice versa. So when Lisa called him all in distress about how Stan threw her clothes out on the ground, he was pissed. And meanwhile, like I said, Lisa's talking to her godmother. She basically, the godmother saying the same thing. I didn't like that he threw your clothes out on the lawn either. And as soon as one piece of clothing hit that lawn, my feet would have hit the street. Come on, girl. Come on, Rhyme. (laughs) So Lisa says she thinks that the relationship was not right. That that Stan was just going to bring her into his world. That he didn't want to know anything about her world. He didn't want her to bring any of her past into their future. And that isn't sustainable. So back to Rick and Stan... Rick reveals that Lisa's been, well, maybe we knew this already, that Lisa's last relationship was abusive. And he's like, listen, I don't have any patience for that anymore. Stan is terrified of of Rick. Rick is not like the most intimidating guy, but he's been in and out of jail. So there's kind of an edge to him. Rick is, Stan, Stan, excuse me, is like, Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to do her. I, I've never done anything but a loving touch to her. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, why are you apologizing for her ex being abusive? <laughs> but okay. Um, he's terrified. And, yeah, he's like, I'm not going to do anything. Like, you don't, you're not going to have to worry about me. So, back to Lisa and her godmother. They're talking about how... Lisa's talking about how Rick has... Uh, Stan has spent about $13,000 on his, her so far. And the godmother's like, great. Keep up the good work, girl. <laughs> in a confessional, Lisa says, would I be staying with Stan if he didn't have the money? Um, I really don't know how to answer that. Um, I do. We all do, Lisa. We all do. Um, we're n- never mind. I'm, my mind's going back to the dungeon and I, I don't want to do that to you guys. So moving on. Um, then she starts talking like, here's the deal. I've had 15 felonies. I never had a real job, probably never going to have one at this point. So I got by by selling drugs. And then I kind of moved on to seeking arrangement in the sugar daddy lifestyle. So there you go. <laughs> then we see a care for those of you guys who don't watch a show or who do watch a show, there are little interstitials and I rarely talk about them because it's just like little lame stuff usually, but sometimes they hit us with some fucking bangers. Like when the imprisoned half of the couples tell us about what life was like on the inside for them and how they made do. And so this interstitial is a very special one where Lisa 
um, explains that she is the strap queen, not trap queen, strap queen of her prison. She used to get it in um, with her roommate. And she said, yeah, I had a couple fans in the jail. <laughs> I would have had like three or four girlfriends. Yeah, I had some fans. <laughs> Girl. Um, so she tells us how to make your own old-fashioned prison strap-on. So, if you guys want to take notes, here you go. Here's what you do. You get a guard. Maybe the guard will give you one of their gloves, or maybe they will accidentally, on purpose, leave one on the ground for you to find and pick up later. At that point, you're going to need a number two pencil, a pad, a, uh, what else are you going to need? Um, you are going to wrap a rag around that and then you get a state issued bra and then you poke a hole into that bra and there you go. There you go. Anyway, Stan and, and Rick finish their conversation and, um, Rick and the godmother end up leaving and, as they're about to leave, Rick says in a confessional, I don't understand this relationship at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm i not used to her going onto websites to finding men. I don't get this. She's telling me she's happy, but I'm really confused. And in a confessional, Lisa says she does kind of hope that things work out with Stan, but she also likes to play the field. And she's bisexual. And... She's been talking to a woman, a mysterious woman, every day, and she's not sure how she's going to broach that subject with Stan, but I guess we'll see all the answers to that on Life After Lockup, the show I'm not going to be recapping. Anyway, let's move on to Ray and Brittany. Finally, the big day is here. Ray's going to be meeting Brittany's family. Just kidding. Um, he's, she's, he's only going to be meeting her father and a half-sister that she's got because Brittany has chosen the most immature way to go about this and she has decided to leave her mom out of this completely because her mom stated that she had no desire to meet Ray and she's just going to divide up the team. So not only is she going to be um, showing or introducing Ray in spurts, they also, Brittany's father doesn't know that he's about to meet Ray and neither does her half-sister. This is a 33-year-old woman who cannot communicate with her family about the man that she claims that she wants to marry and have children with. She is asking Ray to put on some pants that are going to hide his ankle monitor. She's trying to continue this grift of lying and um, uh, laying out information, rolling out information as she sees fit, which is, I, I cannot stand Brittany. I really can't. <laughs> I can't take this girl. So Brittany's dad and her half-sister arrive. She comes outside while Ray's looking, um, peeking through the peaky blinders, trying to see them in the driveway. And she's like, hey, um, just want to let you know that Ray is out of jail and inside my house. So do you guys want to come inside and meet him? They're looking at her like, girl, <sighs> okay. Um, so they all sit down. They go inside. They sit down. Ray says that he wants to introduce himself and he understands their impression of him, but he wants them to really get to know him. So then um, Brittany's dad asks Ray how old he is, probably because he was just as surprised as the rest of us to find out that he's 29 and just wanted to 
double check to make sure that was right. And when he says 29, he's like, hey, man, you got a lot of life ahead of you. So don't mess it up. And Ray says, I've always had good jobs, but I just got caught up in things. I was chasing fast money. Do you guys know the story of why Ray got into jail? Because I didn't find this out. Shout out to you, Jody from the Real- Welcome to Reality TV podcast um, um, for telling the story of Ray and his gang of friends who would go around stealing, breaking into pharmacies and stealing the drugs to sell but they would like break through the windows every time Ray was the one to break the window. He would bleed, leaving his DNA over several pharmacies. So it was just a matter of time before he got caught. Dummy. Oh, Lord. So Brittany's dad has more questions. He's like, okay, well, what is your plan? What does your future look like now that you've got this felony on you? And he's like, well, I got this ankle monitor on, but as soon as I get it off, I have an intention to get a job and be a provider. So Brittany's family, they just like, they say Brittany also came, you know, her last relationship was abusive and her dad is just like, I, I just don't want to find, I don't want Brittany to find herself in the same relationship she was in before. So we need to, and want to get to know Ray a little bit more. Finally, Brittany reveals that Ray switched his address, so he's officially paroled at Brittany's house, and she's like, wow, I can't believe you guys are so accepting of this. I thought you would have said something immediately, and the sister's like, um, I'm just not saying anything because I'm in shock, not because I'm supportive of this, (laughs) just to be extremely clear. Brittany's father immediately starts talking about how he's afraid that Ray's going to be taking advantage of Brittany. And Ray says, my own family spoke to me about being serious about this relationship, about not wasting her time and all of that. Like, I want to meet your family. I want you guys to know me, know my plans, see me and begin to trust me. Brittany's father says he wishes Ray well because Ray's really talking a good game, but he has to prove his worth and be involved with the family. So, you know, it's just a time situation. Um, I noticed that Brittany was doing what have happened to many a housewife before, which is that she has those Chanel earrings, the ones that are CHA on one ear, ing. N-E-L on the other, and she does not have them in the right direction, which says a lot about Brittany. Um, So then we go out to lunch. Ray finally has gotten his ankle monitor off, and so this is their first official date. And Brittany's like, okay, great. It's been about 45 minutes since you've gotten this ankle monitor off. Can't wait for you to get a job so you can start contributing and stop not contributing. And so when we can go to restaurants, I don't have to, we don't have to play this game of you looking at the check and then me putting the card in there secretly. And so you could start providing. That would be great. Also, I want to get engaged and be married and have children. Thank you. Got it all out. Okay. So Ray is like, okay. Um, hmm. Well, I do want to get a job. I do want to do all those things that you mentioned. How do you feel about having kids first? Because Brittany says she didn't want to be a 40 year old mother. Brittany is at this point 33. Um, 
She says she wants to get engaged within the next year, have babies within the next year. She wants to go about it the quote unquote right way by getting married first and then having kids. And um, Ray is entirely reasonable and asks if maybe this could be more of a two or three year goal instead of a one year thing. And <laughs> when you believe Brittany thinks that is absolutely ridiculous. Brittany, who has um, painted her own supposed fiance into a corner by um, making him seem like this violent inmate and uh, continuously lying to her family about him is now trying to have babies and get married within the next year. Good one. Um, Ray kind of agrees to getting engaged soon, but then Brittany threatens him and says that she doesn't want a hush ring and to just be sitting there with a ring on her finger, not engaged three years later. And she says, I will give you a year to save up for that big, beautiful, blingy, solitaire ring that I want. And in a confessional, she says that Ray's desire to have kids before they get married is the opposite of the what they've been talking about, the opposite of the things that he had promised her when he was in jail and had nothing else to do but just to go along with all the things that he said, Brittany. Um, and she says, hey, he needs to keep the same energy he had as when he hooked up or when he was locked up. Um Famous last words of all the most successful couples of oh, Love After Lockup. Thank God we're done. Hello. Let's celebrate that. All right, y'all. Let's move on to Josh and Horny. I mean, Courtney. Um, first, we see Josh. He says that things have gotten a little bit crazy lately. So he wants to hear um, Courtney and all the complaints about how they're not having enough sex. And he decides to surprise her with... A bunch of post-it notes with his chicken scratch on it and who knows what else is going to happen. Y'all, let's be reminded that Josh and Courtney have been together for two weeks. Not the entirety of their relationship. I mean, this entire season, their filming is two weeks because Josh only had two weeks to quarantine with Courtney before he had to parole out to his cousin's house. So... <laughs> This is ridiculous. How many trials and tribulations can y'all go through in two weeks that you have to do this grand gesture to make up for it? Ugh, Lord. Um, meanwhile, Courtney tells us in a confessional that she's just now, just now, starting to regret giving up her career for Josh. Um, did you not think about those regrets in the 60 days that you were in jail? Did you not think about that when you lost your job? Did you not think about that when you realized you couldn't parole together because you were both uh, felons? Um, only now that she's not getting regular dick the way she wants it, does she think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have given up my entire career and gone to jail for this weirdo. This weirdo who makes uh, ramen and calls it fried soup. She also starts talking about how Josh has hurt her in so many ways, but and she doesn't know if they can come back from that. What did he do? <laughs> what, all we've seen you guys do is sit in that bed that is basically a big-ass dog bed because you got four pit bulls in it just posted up chilling. The, you have the most weird trailer I've ever seen in my life. It's like 
Caroline Calloway went through and was like, let me just paint the floors the same color as the walls. And it's going to be like Pee-wee's weird-ass fun house in here. It smells like ramen all the time and wet dog. Okay. Um, Clearly, I've had some feelings about this house that I haven't let out until... (laughs) The season finale. So here we go. Um, so she arrives back to the house to find, you know, a bunch of pink post-it notes in the shape of the house, shape of a heart, okay, on the outside of the house, and a note in the middle that says, hey, babe, I know you've had a long day, and I just want to surprise you. Um, does she not belong to a neighborhood that has an HOA? Because they just had, like, wet, soggy-ass, open Amazon boxes just right next to the door just just throw it out in the trash i've never seen anything like it i've never seen anything like just just throw your boxes like are you guys gonna be on hoarders next maybe they should be really they should have been on hoarders truthfully um anyway um josh has a scavenger hunt planned for Courtney and he leads her to the bedroom where she finds a dress and and tells her to take a bath and put it on and Josh's scavenger hunt ends up leading Courtney to um, what she claims is a very chest-friendly dress. Um, She goes out to the backyard by the cornfield with a bag of Sour Patch Kids in her hand and finds Josh on the ground with a picnic for her with pictures of them. He must have seen this on Pinterest. Pictures of them um, clothespinned to some twine on a a tree and two big ass bottles of pickles and a picnic of pepperoni and just various cheeses. And Courtney starts crying. Can't believe her luck. Can you, Nicholas Sparks jumped out right here. These are the moments that she's living for. Um, she's probably also crying because she's realizing that looking down, all he's gotten her was a bunch of sour food and dairy. So they're probably not going to be having sex later. Um, Then Josh does some speech about how, you know, I'm sure we're going to be having a lot more arguments and there are going to be a lot more picnics to make up for it. And she keeps crying. And then they decide to open up two, two of those jars of pickles at the same time. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you believe Josh? Courtney looks down, Josh, what have you done? And then she, the camera, um, zooms in on... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, The jar of gherkins that she's holding, one of which has a ring on it. (laughs) Um, It's also worth reminding us that this is not a ring for Courtney. This is Josh's second ring since he threw his first one down the toilet when he was still in jail and they got into a fight before he got out. So this is a ring for him. Courtney says, are you going to keep this ring even though it smells like pickle juice? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna... This one's not coming off, babe. Ugh, pure romance. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Um, so Courtney says that she never really got an answer as to why Josh can't parole at her house. And I kind of feel like, didn't we? Didn't we find out early in the season that is because they had both been to jail recently that they couldn't stay together? Anyway, um, they both vow to keep fighting for their relationship. And in a confessional, Courtney says that 
they've talked a great deal about what they want their future to look like. And she's excited. She wants to build a house and have a wedding on the land and all of this down home vibe. Josh proposes to her question mark and Courtney's response is, is this what you want? Don't you guys already have rings? Aren't you already married? Did I also see as he's proposing to her, he's got a tattoo on his forearm that has a picture of her face and will you marry me? (laughs) So didn't we already go through this? Why are you now like unsure of whether he wants to commit to you? You guys are already married. Anyway, that's the end of them. Let's move on to, we had two long, but also extremely chaotic couples that we have to go through. And I'm going to start with Rachel and Doug. The first footage we get is Rachel filming herself. It's like chaotic. It's hectic. She's rocking. She's rolling. No stopping. No going. It's taking over. Um, She is walking around the house filming herself saying, you're not going to believe what I just heard. Someone reached out to me and told me that Doug has been cheating on me this entire time. All that I've done for this stupid motherfucker. Ugh. You want to see what I'm going to do? Throw this. You want to see what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw this piece of shit garbage. (laughs) And then she tosses her wedding ring. The one that we find out Doug had just given her two days ago down by the river that said stop, stop violent crime 2004 on a bench. Um, the, her bulldog is looking around confused. He doesn't know what the hell's going on, what's up and what's down. And then the next morning we see like a gorilla style footage of Rachel. And I don't mean the gorilla, the animal, I mean, G U E R I L L A gorilla style footage of the producers, like coming up to Rachel. She's scrambling through those leaves, trying to find the ring that she threw out. Producer pulls up and it's like, what is going on? She's like, I just found out that dog's been cheating on me this whole entire time. He's had a woman in the picture. This woman's been in the picture way longer than we've even been corresponding for each other with each other. So what happened was what happened was, was that Doug said one night he's going to go out with his friend, Gary. I think this is the Gary that he went ring shopping with the Gary that was like, I've never seen Doug be faithful. I don't know why he's buying that ring. I don't cause he's never been faithful. Um, he goes out with his friend, Gary While he's gone, Rachel's at home. Rachel gets a message from somebody that says, Hi, I know we don't know each other, but I'm Gary's wife. I feel the need to tell you this. Your husband came out to my house earlier tonight with, with some skank, and I caught them in our bedroom. I don't know who the bitch is, but he's no longer welcome at our house. (laughs) Rachel messages her back, says, thanks for letting me know. Gary's wife responds, Doug is the biggest dirtball I've ever fucking met. If I were you, I would cut his ass off and not give him any more of your love or money. He's not worth it. So Rachel responds again, but the scroll happens too fast. We can't see it, but... Gary's wife says, no, he left with her. I'm sorry you had to find out this way, but I know he's married. What he did tonight in my home is disgusting. And if it were me, I would pray to God that somebody would tell me that my husband's a cheating dog. (laughs) So then Rachel goes back to looking for the ring, not because she wants to put it back on her finger, but because she figures 
I can maybe recoup some of my losses that I spent on Doug. So I'm going to find this ring. That's right, girl. Get any money back. So Rachel continues on by saying that Doug came home. When he came home, obviously she confronted him about it. And Doug's response was that Gary and his wife are going through their own problems. And so they are trying to bring their relationship down with them. (laughs) And that that girl was actually his friend's side piece. Doug. Douglas. Dougathy. Sir. Okay. So Rachel then says that... She spoke to the girl, this side piece, the skank, according to Gary's wife, and um, that she, you know, because she pays for Doug's phone, was able to go through phone records and see that they had been talking for quite some time and everything verified. There's no chance in the world that he's been talking to Gary's side bitch. No, not happening. So Rachel says her mind is boggled. And she didn't want to believe it. So she goes back inside. Can't find the ring. She goes back inside. She gives us a tour of the kitchen. And she says that after she found out all that stuff, they got into an argument. And she, quote, may have said something that pushed too many buttons. (laughs) And I would like to know what that was. But it does not um, justify Doug's response, which is punching the kitchen cabinet so hard that it came off its hinges and then told her are you all ready for this chills up my spine told her i love you so much that i punched the cabinet door instead of your face (gasps) Uh, what the fuck what the fuck (laughs) rachel says what i started thinking was I don't know how to rationalize that or have that make sense in my brain. Okay. So I had to leave because Doug is paroled here. He can't go anywhere else. So I made the decision to just go to my mom's house, take some space, sit there to think about how I gave my life to somebody like that. (laughs) Yeah, girl. (laughs) Imagine somebody saying that to you. That is about chilling as you guys, have you seen this? I'm talking about TikTok again. The most chilling thing I've seen on TikTok, the most chilling thing I've seen in my life, y'all, is this ring footage where um, this guy comes out, like there's a house that the ring is attached to as it, as that has how it works. So, You can see, it doesn't quite look like a residential area, or maybe it is. It's not like a subdivision. It it looks like a normal street, but the house is on the corner. You can see this guy walk up the pathway, walk up to the um, uh, door, and he keeps repeating to himself, like, are you sure? Are you positive? Are you sure? Are you positive? Like, clearly he's spiraling, right? So, turns out, The wife was inside the house. She sees this guy. She hides in like the front area so he can't see her. So the husband sees this guy on the ring cam because he's not at the house. And so this guy keeps saying, are you sure? Are you positive? Over and over again. And then he starts to walk away. 
But as he walks away, the husband says, what the fuck are you doing? Or something like that. Why are you here? And who are you? Whatever. So the guy goes, oh, so he comes back to the house and he goes, oh, I just um, was wondering if you could have your wife open the door because I'm going to rape and kill her. What? Now imagine the terror, <laughs> the terror of of a guy calmly being like, can your wife open the door so, so I can do that to her? I, chills, chills now just thinking about, I, I, oh, oh, okay. So this is like a very far second that what Doug said, but also deeply chilling and incredibly disturbing. Rachel, run. You were a smart girl. You were much smarter than this. I'm not even going to roast you for being um, tricked by this man. Just get out because this is some sick shit. So then Rachel continues to give a tour of the house, how Doug and little Dougie have left, took all their stuff. Doug took all his clothes because of course that's all he wanted any anyway. And she goes into Dougie's room and she's like, you know, he took his game console but I'm not even mad at him because I really cared about this kid. Like he was my own so he can have it. And then you could tell she's like genuinely upset and she's looking like, Oh, little Dougie's room is empty. Just like it was before. And I felt, I really, I felt bad for her because clearly they had a connection. Clearly Rachel was little Dougie's greatest and most significant ally and the only real parent that he's had in his life. And that's a real shame. And so like, fuck Doug. Fuck dog. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. She tells us that she's feeling really sick. Her whole life has been taken for her from her. She feels like her family, her marriage, her community is all gone. You can tell she's genuinely shell shocked. Um, she says, I never would have believed that I would have been a statistic. Sad. And then she starts to talk about how Doug Jr. gave her a purpose. She woke up every day and was making him breakfast and having that sense of a nuclear family and she just doesn't know what to think about that now. <sighs> Sad. So later Rachel's mom comes over and she's just like, I feel like I'm a 35 year old woman who believes in Santa again. Like, I just feel like I really got played. Uh, something that was like so obviously fake, but here we are. So Rachel and her mom go to the sunroom to go rip some cigs and talk about life. And, um, you know, she says, I bought into all the lies, the fantasy and the story and all the tattoos of me that he would get. And earlier he was showing the cameras. He had like 
five or six different Rachel tattoos and Big Spoon, Little Spoon, because that's what they called each other and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, Rachel's mom asks what happened with Doug and Dougie, and she says that they are living in a camper but, uh, behind Doug's sister's house and... In a confessional, Rachel says that she actually would really love to still have custody of Dougie if they would let him, if that's what the family accepted. She's trying to get divorced, and she thinks that it's going to be quick. He never, uh, Big Doug never had access to any of her financial anything, so she's thinking it'll be easy. Um, And then we see... Finally, we see Doug. He's on the back of a motorcycle, letting his mohawk fly in the wind. He's living his best life, laughing. Like, he's damn near in some sort of commercial for herpes. He's so happy. And he said, you know, I thought I was ready for marriage, but it was just like a huge change that I wasn't ready for. And he also says he has no plans on breaking the law again because he knows how good his life is now. And yada, yada, yada. And... Rachel, we get back to Rachel. She says she has no intentions of ever getting back with Doug again. And if he's watching this now, she wants him to know that he broke her heart. <laughs> and then we see Rachel take a bunch of uh, Doug's old government issued baloney and put that in the trash, girl. Move on. Move on. Then we see footage from a week later in which Doug is driving and he's doing like obviously an exit video with the production over FaceTime. And he's talking about how this chick that he cheated on Rachel with or does it count as cheating? Is he cheating on her if they were together first? I don't know. Um, So he's talking about how he is going to try and make it work with this woman. And it's not like he and Rachel didn't have anything special, but the specialness of what he has with this other chick trumps what he had with Rachel, like a low legal marriage and a family. Interesting. (laughs) So meanwhile, Rachel's getting security cameras set up in her home. And that's really the last we see of them. So we're going to end on Jeff and Anissa because this was some hot hillbilly mess, y'all. Woo! Let's get ready. (laughs) Put some dip under your lip and let's, let's, it's time to party. All right. So we see Anissa spraying what I assume to be like some sort of Bath and Body Works knockoff on her decolletage while Jeff is making himself busy working on the porch with things I'm sure he ordered from Amazon and, you know, making sure his ankle bracelet is nice and charged. Anissa leaves with her cousin Penny to go look at flowers and on the way she says she was not taught how to express her emotions so she hasn't really spoken to Jeff about Kyle telling her that she might hear, excuse me, that he might have a kid. And she feels like if he's going to hide secrets from her, he probably has a lot more. And Jeff says in the past few days that Anissa has been really different. She's not smiling. She's not laughing like she used to. And then Jeff is just like tooling around the house by himself. And he says that Anissa allowed him to borrow her computer and you know probably to, so he could spend more of her money gambling it away on online poker but 
when he goes to log in, the password's been changed. So he gets all hot under the collar and slams the computer closed and starts looking around for something because he assumes that Anissa must be hiding something. So he goes straight for the dresser because he says that as soon as he gets anywhere near it, she starts asking a lot of questions and getting all weird. And so he ends up just rifling through her stuff and he opens one of those drawers and says, bingo, and finds a phone. Meanwhile, like I said, Anissa's shopping for flowers with her cousin for the wedding and they have a date set for three months from now. Um, So her cousin Penny's like, how much have you spent on Jeff since he's been out of jail? And Anissa says she's spent $9,000. She says that he just takes her debit card out of the wallet and he just spends, spends, spends. Mm, mm, mm. Then Anissa tells her cousin Penny about Jeff possibly having a kid and she agrees that if he has not told you the truth about this, then he's probably lying about anything else, really. Meanwhile, Jeff is still at home. He goes looking through that device, and he sees that there were only five contacts on the phone, one of which was Kyle, and the other which are four other dudes that he's never heard of. He goes looking through the photo album and finds a bunch of sexy pictures of uh Anissa in various states of undress and lots of lingerie and he uh, does his Googles. He said that he's having the most time since coming out of jail just figuring out all the technology and boy has he because he's looking through the information to make sure the timestamps on the photos and when and where and he's freaking... Encyclopedia Brown over here, just the Bobsy twins, uh, some other detective. I don't know. Um, and he says, you know, I could tell by looking at the pictures that she's got the same bedding. It's the same bed that we share now. So these must be recent pictures. And he's mad. So because Kyle is the only name that he recognizes on the phone, he thinks that Kyle and Anissa have been hooking up. And he thinks that Kyle's going out of his way to be a cockblock. So he's thinking of all those times that Kyle was asking questions that he shouldn't be asking, coming over all the time. He says that he and Anissa are always out there laughing and smoking cigarettes together and they really get along. So he's got it in his head that they are definitely, definitely hooking up. So Anissa comes home and Jeff keeps asking, are you okay? Are you okay? Like what's wrong? And Anessa keeps being kind of coy and playing it cool. And then she announces that Kyle and his girlfriend are actually going to be coming over later. And Jeff starts getting all squirrely in that eye of his. Jeff tries to threaten Anissa. He's like, well, you either need to tell me what's wrong right now or what's going on with you and Kyle, or I'm going to cut off my ankle bracelet and leave. Um, Jeff... Do you realize that that is going to have, like, zero effect on her whatsoever and that you're the one who's going to have to go to jail for that? Like, you know that, right, Jeff? Right? That's not really a threat. (laughs) Okay. So, then Anissa says, Kyle's just my friend, Jeff. Don't you think you should tell me that you have a kid? And so Jeff's like, well, who told you that? Uh, Dumbass. The only person you told was Kyle. 
the one who's the best friend, the one that you said can't keep a secret. Duh. Who do you, you think she saw it on CNN and Fox News? My God. Um, so <laughs> then Jeff calls Kyle a snake ass, bitch ass honky. I think he actually said honky. Now, granted, Jeff had, you know, it, it, sometimes it's hard to understand what he's saying, but it, it felt like honky. It had the, the energy of calling somebody honky. So I'm assuming that that's also what he said. Um, so Kyle and his girlfriend come over. Obviously, things are not great between Jeff, Jeff and Anissa right now. And um, Jeff goes outside and he starts ranting about how Kyle's a bitch and how he, I was just about to tell Anissa about the baby. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> so Anissa's in the house. She texts Kyle, uh, hey, Jeff just told me, you know, like, here, here's the deal, right? You can tell Kyle's scared. <laughs> and Jeff says something about how, you know, I'm going to get a gun or a knife or a stick for Kyle because he's a monster. <laughs> but he's also, like, completely out of breath just coming from the trailer to the front yard of the trailer. So, like, I don't really know what um you plan on like what mo what monster is that cookie monster is there a monster that sleeps a lot is there a monster that is uh completely out of shape <laughs> i don't know um i don't know what kind of you're a monster can a can of monster drink i don't know um so anyway security's holding jeff back kyle's like you know whatever he's just talking he's like lamely being like oh i'm gonna get out of this car i'm gonna get a car so so you can beat my ass and then and this is inside she's like i don't know what else to say like he's the one with the secret so i'm not gonna be into this and she doesn't understand why jeff's so upset because she's not even so much as attempted to kiss kyle and she thinks that he's just trying to deflect from the fact that he didn't tell her about the baby. Oh, Lord. Outside, Jeff continues to threaten Kyle. Kyle has managed to exit the truck or the Jeep that he was in to try and get to Jeff. Um, Jeff keeps threatening him. Kyle says, what are you waiting on, Christmas? <laughs> I have never heard the things that these guys say when they're fighting in my life. They're so funny. They keep going back and forth. Jeff, excuse me, Kyle asks Jeff if his whoopers broke. <laughs> and I, listen, it's hard to um, out-Southern me. I've heard a lot. But I've never heard anybody ask, and what I'm assuming is, why aren't you just coming to beat my ass? Is your whooper broke? <laughs> and Jeff's like, oh no, my whooper's not broke. <laughs> So he runs the 25 yards over to Kyle, attempts to punch him twice. Kyle falls over. I'm not sure why. Security is getting Jeff. They fall over on the ground. And it's just like the lamest, no upper body strength having fight I've ever seen in my life. These are two grown men who both have extensive rap sheets and have been to jail. I Maybe I'm stereotyping, but I just feel like you should be able to fight just a little bit. 
Anissa is like, she's cracked open a Dr. Pepper. She's not wanting to get involved. She's concerned that the the, co- the neighbors are going to call the cops and that Jeff could probably be taken back uh, to the halfway house for violating his parole. And, but she's, she's, her name's Bennett and she's, she ain't in it. Okay. Let me finish this 23 ingredient Coke and maybe I'll come out after that. Um, so for some reason, Jeff is full, fully Boomhauer. I don't know what he's saying at this point. There were no captions to save me. Um, he has found what looks to be a beam from the trailer. It's about a 10 foot wooden beam um, that he has gone, gone like hillbilly crossfit on and has decided to break it. I don't really know what he thought he was going to do with that, but there we go. Finally, Kyle and his girlfriend leave. Jeff walks back into the house, still shirtless. Clearly, he's still very upset because he walked right past all of those Amazon boxes and didn't even pick them up to bring him back in the house. Jeff goes over to Anissa. He sits down right in front of her and he tells her he had not spoken to his alleged supposed baby mama at all until he got to the halfway house. Once he got there, he got a Facebook account. Three to four days later, um, somebody reached out to him and said, I think you might have a son in Indianapolis. So he wrote back and said that if that is his son, he's prepared to be a father to him. And then he tells Anissa that he had every intention of telling her, but wouldn't you believe it's her fault? (laughs) The only reason why he hadn't was because he felt like their relationship was already strained and because she was acting weird and... He just didn't want to add anything to the strain. Oh, what a sweet man. What a sweet, sweet man. Um, So Anissa asks Jeff, why would you feel like, you know, why do you feel like there's been a strain? And then Jeff reveals that he saw those pictures, her in her lingerie, and he said he checked the timestamps and they were from 2019. So Anissa is like, well... We were, you know, uh, kind of off and on at that point. This was another time where you could have come home to the loving embrace of my arms and you didn't. You chose the pipe instead. And so, yeah, I was busting my pussy wide open for whoever cared to see it. But it wasn't Kyle. Okay. So then Jeff asks, well, what's going to happen with the wedding? And she's like, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel like you broke my trust. And I don't, I just don't know where we go from here. So we got a bunch of updates at the end of the episode. Ray got a job. He's, you know, fingers crossed going to meet Brittany's mom soon, but he also hasn't proposed yet. So we love a man who knows his worth and he's not going to put a ring on that finger until he gets the full respect of Brittany's family, Brittany included. Um, what happened after that? Oh, Courtney and Josh are still married. They're not living together. Josh violated his parole and he was sent back to jail for six months. Rachel and Doug still married. Doug was also arrested for violating his parole. Fortunately, silver lining, Dougie Jr. was able to move back in with Rachel. So at least those two are happy. Um, Stan says he plans on proposing to Lisa soon, but Lisa's still talking to that woman on the phone and she has yet to tell Stan about it. And 
what Jeff uh, had to go back to the halfway house because of a parole infraction. And Anissa is still waiting for him. Hopefully they can get married. Uh, Deontay has apparently not given up on Nicole, but it seems like Nicole has because she's still dating Tia. So more on that later, you guys. And that's it. That's it for the season of Love After Lockup. What a journey. What a journey we've been. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I'll find another show to recap for this Monday spot, and I'm sure it'll be uh, a lot better than Love After Lockup. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys.